tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing to keep the Grinch away from the toy drive. Who's going to deliver the toys to the kids? What about me, the Grinch? No. Yep, even easier than that. You steal the presents one time. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One NA member FDIC. Copyright Dr. Seuss Enterprises. Copyright Turner Entertainment Company. Run their own clinical trials. Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made ByHeart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Every day my employees get scam emails. I wanted to protect my business and clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got four simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. Learn more at cisa.gov forward slash secure our world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up this afternoon, first Deputy Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Maxwell Opokwa, fiery questions sustainability of central banks, continuous financing of government's budget. Meanwhile, minority takes on Bank of Ghana for writing of some debt owed by some uh, by the government, insisting there's no legal backing for such an action. Also later, Ghana Union of Traders Association Guta opposes implementation of new tariffs by the Ghana Post and Harbors Authority, calling for its suspension. Continue to increase um, the, the tariffs, um, 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 especially at this time that we are all complaining that cost of doing business in this country is extremely high. My name is Daryl Powell. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up. And first off, uh, first Deputy Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Max Solopukwafari, has said the central bank's financing of government's operations is not sustainable and must not be encouraged. Dr. Opukwafari called for strong and aggressive domestic resource mobilization to support the economy. Here's more. The first Deputy Governor of the Bank of Ghana was speaking at an event at Gomuafete in the central region 
on the topic, Building Public Support Towards Mobilizing Resources Locally for Development. He added that recent happenings have shown that central bank financing approach is not workable. Dr. Afari says financing the deficit by central bank can indeed undermine its autonomy and its ability to even fight inflation. He was, however, quick to add that one of the challenges that is affecting domestic resource mobilization is the lack of trust between the general public and policymakers. Dr. Afari was, however, of the view that there is a need to deal with wasteful spending and ensure that there is value for money going forward. A move that can help to deal with this challenge. The first deputy governor of the Bank of Ghana's comments are coming at a time where they have been pushed for strict enforcement of the zero financing of government's budget to prevent the situation where Bank of Ghana has been pushed into negative equity as a result of the almost 61 billion Ghana cities loss for 2022. The minority in Parliament say Bank of Ghana acted illegally when it purported to write off some debt owed it by the government. The central bank has written off more than 30 billion to the debt of the government. Acting a ranking member on the Finance Committee, Isaac Adongo, has been speaking to journalists. Uh, parliamentary correspondent Kweku Asante joins me with more on this. And so, uh, what's the minority's um, argument? What has Mr. Adongo been saying? <laughs> Daryl, they say that if you look at the Public Financial Management Act, if you look at the Bank of Ghana Enabling Act itself, for the Bank of Ghana to purport to do what they have just done, they need a resolution of a simple majority in Parliament to be able to do so. And as far as they are concerned, that has not been done. And they decide one day that they are going to clear off the debt owed uh, the, 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 central, the central bank by the government of Ghana. So that is the central plan of We are having challenges with the, the connection there to Kukwes and we'll try and re-establish contact with him. But um, as you've been reporting, the minority uh, in Parliament saying the Bank of Ghana acted illegally when it purported to write off some debt ordered by uh, the government. Uh, we just lost you briefly. Uh, continue with the point you are making about the minority's argument. Right, Daryl. So the point I was making is that a central plank of the argument that is being advanced by the acting ranking member on the Finance Committee, Isaac Adongo, is that the Bank of Ghana must be subject to its regulatory powers. The, the, the laws that set up the Bank of Ghana just that, does not allow it to simply go ahead to write off there. You, you recall that the minority in particular have been making a lot of noise about government's printing of money at the central bank. And they say that that is part of the reason why the country is facing such severe inflationary uh, pressures. And because of this, the Bank of Ghana, they say, had not listened to them. They were not aware that all this was going to come back and buy the, and buy the central bank of Ghana. Mm. You, you do realize that the 61 billion Ghana city losses that the Bank of Ghana has made in the year of review is mainly due to some of these debts that is owed them by the central government that they are purporting to write off. According to Isaac Adongo, and according to the minority leader himself, who yesterday spoke when he was wrapping up comments by the minority side on the media budget review, their side are going to use all the powers that are available to them within parliament and outside of it to demand accountability. They say that if the Bank of Ghana governor do not listen to them and they go ahead to do what they are purported to do, a future NDC government will go back to that and there will be possible prosecutions on this. Yeah, and that's all that they intend to do about this? How far are they willing to go? In fact, they, they, they were willing to trigger some parliamentary processes to be able to make this demand. But as we know now, parliament is expected to go over today, which means that some of these parliamentary oversight powers that they have cannot kick in because parliament will be in breaks up until about October when they return. But Isaac Adongo himself in the past when he has spoken, has hinted that personally he's willing to take legal actions against the Bank of Ghana, is willing to go to court to demand that the writing is done. And that is what he's happy on now. And it seems to be a united minority front making this demand because yesterday we heard from the minority leader himself who made this demand. They, are, they, they also have concerns about the, the, the auditors of the Bank of Ghana. They say that the auditors should have satisfied themselves 
that the Bank of Ghana has the power to do what it purported to do before it should have signed up in its audited report. They say it did not do that. And they seem to allege that Deloitte and the group that did this auditing of the Bank of Ghana did not do such a good work. But they do not want to waste a lot of time talking about these auditors when they can pick on the central bank itself, Dr. Isaac Addison. In fact, they go ahead to make an allegation that Dr. Isaac Addison is already planning for his retirement, he's already ordering bears. These are not allegations that he's been able to substantiate mm -hmm. and be able to prove in terms of giving evidence that. But clearly they say that they are willing to use all the processes that are available to them in Parliament, in the courts, to demand that the writing is done. And quickly, there have been fiery scenes and debate on the media budget review presented by uh, the finance minister, Ken Oferiata. Both sides have been going neck and neck at each other. Right. In fact, that debate on all the comments on the media budget review concluded yesterday in Parliament. In fact, it was concluded by the minority leader, Dr. Kisalatu Fawcett himself, as well as Alexander Antonio Martin, who is the deputy majority leader. The minority central argument that they've been making all throughout is that the finance minister cannot claim to have turned the corner and that indeed the council is still facing acute economic distress and that there is a long way to be able to get out of this current economic challenge that the country is facing. And so the Bank of Ghana, the Ministry of Finance, must be modest in some of the projections that they are putting out. In fact, they also cite some of the projections in the in the, in the in the media budget review, they talk about the projected GDP growth, among others, and say that you cannot be revising these growth levels to this low level and be claiming that you've turned the corner. Mm. In fact, Kwame Agoja also came in to say that if the Bank of Ghana governor or the finance minister were licensed drivers, then their driver's license should be taken from them because what they are doing is simply driving the country into a ditch. So what next after the debate? Well, because the finance minister did not ask for a supplementary estimate, that is done now because everything the finance minister presented to the House was by way of information. And so they have just been carried across to MPs. They're going to continue, I mean, scrutinizing the details. There are no estimates to be approved by Parliament. And so today, the House is expected to adjourn Sinidin. The minority leader has been making the point that he believes that this media budget review should have come by way of motion so that certain approvals would have been done. But because it came by way of statements, all MPs could do is to comment on the specific information, the information that has been provided by the, by the finance minister and government, and leave it at that. Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kukua Sante there. Thank you so much for the update. On Zoom with us is Research Lead at GCB Capital Courage Wuti. Good afternoon to you. So first of Courage, uh, the first Deputy Governor of the Bank of Ghana is saying that the central bank's financing of government operations is not sustainable and must not be encouraged, obviously in the face of losses occurred by, incurred by the central bank in 2022. Questions have been raised about the independence of the Bank of Ghana. How can this be settled? Well, it is true, and it has always been that central bank financing of deficit is not sustainable, uh, and we cannot give that in a period where we've lost access to the capital market and there was urgent need to consolidate as um, espoused eloquently by the IMF and many other descending Ghanaians really, you saw the updated numbers for 2022 that they were the ones where we exceeded the fiscal target by, by large. And, and the reality is that that was only possible because Central Bank was able to inject some sizable portion of of that deficit uh, for last year, 65 billion in total, about 55 billion from the local market, and the central bank provided more than 50% of, of, of that domestic funding, really. And it is no wonder that inflation soared to 54.1% uh, uh, last year, and even when it's slowing down now, maybe the pace is a bit slower than we would envisage, and there are a lot of other shocks from the sides to it, really. The question about raising revenue cannot be overemphasized, but the question again is how do we go about it? Is it about increasing the already higher corporate tax rates or personal income tax rates or increasing VAT, which is already high, or increasing the other existing rates that are all high? I guess the solution doesn't lie in there. It will bring fatigue to the taxpayer and may encourage tax evasion and tax avoidance and all of that. 
the age-old argument has been how do we effective ways of responding to tax without necessarily overburdening the existing taxpayer? I mean, through the many other channels of informal sector players and how we group them in uh, through things like your property rate collection and the many other areas that we have emphasized. I, I do not say the solution is easy or straightforward, but we have to actively look at those sides of, of the argument, really, if we must win our dependence on the central bank. As it stands now, the central bank was dominated in 2022, and that is why you saw the kind of um, uh, uh, monetization that we saw. Uh, has it been independent all this while? Yes, the law says so. But then, in reality, I think there has been evidence far and in between that there are years where when there are lapses or where there are issues, you tend to see the central bank's independence questioned. And 2022 is an example of such years. I mean, there have been such experiences also in the past. So when times are good, we are not under any pressure. We can, on paper, talk about central bank independence. But in 2022, the evidence suggests that the independence is under question. And we're just hearing the minority taking on the Bank of Ghana for writing off some debt owed by the government, 30 billion cities, we are told, insisting there is no legal backing for such an action. Again, you can't, you can't blame the central bank, can you? Oh, well, um, due process must be followed. If there are laid down processes that they must go through to, uh, I've always argued that central bank, I mean, the, the, the Ministry of Finance is their big brothers. Uh, in fact, so conversations between them can be a bit more cordial compared to maybe your negotiation with an organized labor or some other civil society groups, really. So um, some of those things can happen. But then it must follow due process. I mean, if if, if Bank of Ghana won't uh, write of debt owed to government of Ghana, then who will? Uh, so, but then the right processes must be followed. And to the extent that they are not followed, I think we need to demand accountability for that. But then Bank of Ghana owes so much, uh, holds so much of both marketable and non-marketable debt of the government of Ghana, really. Uh, I think at the last count in the IMF report, they were quoting about, uh, about 77 billion uh, in non-marketable debt, really. And and the question is, how do we deal with that? I guess part of that is what is being written off. But don't forget, Bank of Ghana also holds government, government of Ghana regular debt which they may have restructured in the earlier phase already. So I guess these things. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Every day my company gets scam phishing emails trying to get money or sensitive info. I wanted to protect my employees and my clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. First, teach employees to recognize and report phishing. Next, require strong passwords plus multi-factor authentication. And finally, turn on automatic updates for your business software. To learn more, go to CISA at cisa.gov forward slash secure our world. About to happen, they just must follow due process and the right approvals must be sought. To the extent they are not, I think um, it is in place that we demand accountability of the Bank of Ghana. So of the losses incurred in 2022, the central bank will need to assess its current operations and policies uh, to prevent it from happening again in future. We've heard the Bank of Ghana uh, talk about uh, retaining, as part of measures, retaining profit to build a capital backup, optimizing investment portfolio, assessing the need for capitalization support for from government in the medium term ETC. What do you make of such uh, measures? 
I mean, if, if the regulator uh, who is holding the stick for the uh, companies or in, uh, institutions or the industry regulate to be of good behavior, and they themselves are showing quite bad books, I mean, reason justified or not, the books are bad, and uh, the solvency of the institution is coming into question, I'm not sure it's a good reputation for the regulator, really. So whatever must be done to restore capital is actually necessary. And we need that for Bank of Ghana to function as the lender of last resort. Uh, how much profit can we build up in the next maybe one, two, three years to make up for a 60 billion loss? I mean, I cannot say for certain. And so there will be need for some recapitalization here and there, which I believe was an issue the, bank, um, the IMF raised in their uh, technical notes uh, as part of the program approval, really. And so we need to explore the channels. It comes back to the same government to capitalize the Bank of Ghana. It comes back to maybe the other partners that could do this really. But this government is the same uh, uh, entity that is maybe having liquidity challenges now. And by extension, every other bank related to government somehow, call it your uh, consolidated bank Ghana, your ADB, your NIB, are all at their lowest ebb now looking for liquidity support from uh, the majority shareholder in government of Ghana, really. And so it, it, it's not an issue of Bank of Ghana alone. I think it's an issue of all the uh, state-owned banks, really, that need to be looked at holistically at this point. But there is no uh, over... Uh, we cannot overemphasize that Bank of Ghana, as the regulator, need to be in good financial health to be able to carry out its role uh, as a lender of last resort. And much of the losses we've seen um, was as a result of the DDP. And now an economist, Dr. Patrick Esumi, is predicting that commercial banks will struggle to recapitalize due to the impact of the uh, domestic debt exchange program on the financial sector. And his comment um, coming at a time that rating agency Fitch has warned that uh, the huge losses imposed on bondholders under the program has uh, significantly weakened the banking sector's capitalization plans. I want you to listen to what he said uh, yesterday on Business Live. Now we'll talk about it. I think that, you know, if there's any immediate increment in the capital requirement, there will be a little bit of struggle for some of the banks. Um, th there's no two ways that the domestic debt exchange has weakened the banks in some sense. But also, you know, it's not just what was closed in the exchange that was closed back in February. We know that new debt exchanges being muted, being muted by the government, and you, you get the sense that all of this will bring uh, further weaknesses within the banking system. When the Bank of Ghana released the data in, in relation to the last MPC meeting, we do see that uh, credit growth to the private sector has, has more than about halved, I mean, compared to the previous year. So we've already seen that that impact on the credit to the private sector is being, man, is being manifested within the economy already. And again, we've seen the Bank of Ghana itself make losses of about 60 billion cities. What will be the effect on the central bank lending to commercial banks going forward? I don't really think that that particular loss will, will significantly impact its ability to, to manage the, the financial system, whether through overnight lending or nothing. You know, we, we have to understand that this, where this loss has come from. It is because, you know, the central bank had to absorb a lot more deeper losses from the domestic debt exchange, uh, as the bank has explained, whereas the ordinary Ghanaians and other institutions, they didn't really see a cut in their... In their uh, do you share in Dr. Sumin's thoughts, Courage? Uh, well, I don't think the need is for minimum capital to be raised. I think the need is that you have uh, weakened capital base because of um, the valuations you place on your assets and stuff like that uh, out of DDP. In one hand, some of these things can self-correct. Uh, banks uh, will not just impair the bonds that were under the initial DDP. The risk is associated with the obligor, in this case, government of Ghana. So every other debt associated to the government of Ghana or related entity 
would have been impaired. So this second leg of DDP, call it the dollar, the domestic dollar bond, call it the cocoa bills, which is a quasi-government institution, and and now the the pension sector and all of that. Mm -hmm. These are things I believe the counting treatment in 2022 that yielded those impairments would have taken into account. So they will not just impair the portions they tended, it will impair every other thing associated with the uh, government of Ghana, really. So I think these exercises going on now, yes, they will have consequence on their financials, but not as much. It doesn't take away the fact that there is a need for recapitalization and for the investment climate we have now. You know, our local market is not that deep uh, to absorb a lot, really. And so if all 23 banks have to recapitalize and are looking for funding from the local market, that is likely going to be a challenge. I think GCB Bank is looking at $1 billion. Tau Bank is looking about $600 million. A number of others are looking at figures in that region. That is, those are no flows the local market can supply. And given the economic contest now, uh, the risk to the investment climate, really, you may not be able to attract some foreign investors into the economy to participate in this. That is why it's, it's an immediate challenge. But I guess that is why the uh, stabilization fund, the financial sector stabilization fund plays a role. That is why the multinational banks like your Stambeck, like your Abscess and the likes can look at their parent banks for capitalization like Stambeck has done. And then your local banks like your GCB, your Cal, your Fidelity and the likes who probably do not have uh, external partners or if you like owners elsewhere, they have to look at the local market and some strategic funding sources to, to make up for the capital. So for now, or in the, for the next maybe three or so years, they have the forbearance supporting them. And so they have some space to maneuver and then raise capital and revaluation gains. If government comes good on coupon payment in this August and probably in February, could even bring back, restore some of the capital and then maybe some uh, retained earnings as financials are looking, beginning to improve and profitability is beginning to improve since the half year and growing. Maybe some uh, retained earnings could also show up the capital positioning and then the need to inject fresh capital may not be as large as it appears now really. So they are not bound to within 2023 raise capital. I think they have some breathing space to do so and then uh, the dynamics of how government comes good on coupon payment on the restructured debt could also influence what level of capital they need to restore their capital positions. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Research Lead at GCB Capital Courage, which is uh, uh, your inside helpful as always. Now, the Ghana Union of Traders Association, GUTA, has opposed implementation of new tariffs by the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority, calling for its suspension. Guta says the astronomical increase comes as a surprise as members continue to struggle uh, with the effects of many taxes introduced in recent time. Dr. Jesuo Beng is president of the association. That's surprising because we are having engagement with um, the Ghana Port Authority and we have, it is not conclusive. We haven't built any consensus. And then they brought this on the blunt side of the stakeholders. Um, uh, it doesn't show respect to us. Right. We are not going to allow this. Because the social coming the way that we allow them to uh, make an increase uh, only uh, barely a year now. So uh, they cannot continue to increase um, the, the tariffs. Um, um, uh, especially at this time that we are all complaining that cost of doing business in this country is extremely high. And that um, is collapsing businesses. Even the, it's not good even for the port authorities themselves because barely four months ago they called us and, and uh, complained that the port uh, is not not having the needed traffic that it used to be mm. and that we should find a solution to it. And we said that the problem has been the cost of doing business at that port. If that is not taking, most of us are going to do our business through the lobby port because the cost here is too much. And right. if, when that happens, is it going to help the, uh, the country? It's not going to help us. Doc. And so they, they should be careful and mindful of um, the charges that they keep. Um, um, and when, when this happens, you know what also follows? Then the shipping lines is also influenced to also increase their, their, their charges. 
and it compounds the problem for us all the time. Also in the news this afternoon, the National Petroleum Authority has shut down two fuel stations in the northern regional capital, Tamale, for operating illegally. The two stations belonging to the northern regional chairman of the MPP under the name Lily Gold were cited for operating even though their licenses had been revoked. The exercise was led by the regional manager. And here's Martina Bugri with more. The National Petroleum Authority's activity today is to clamp down on operators of fuel stations who are operating illegally. Speaking in an interview, the Northern Regional Manager for NP, Rashid Dauda, said Lily Gold's licenses were revoked last year and were not supposed to be operating. Lily Gold Resources, Energy Resources Limited, its licenses have been revoked since October 2022. They cease to exist. By law, the OMC is not supposed to be seen operating. Neither are we supposed to see the logo or the branding illegal. For some time, this retail outlet here in Canville and one other one at the, the industrial area Lamashevo have been operating under the name Lilibu. We are here today to come and shut down the station and caution the general public not to do business with illegal If uh, you are operating something illegal, it's illegal. And so action should be brought to make sure that this illegality is remedied. We are not doing this because it's an MPP regional channel. If anybody at all should be found to be operating an illegal site. That will also be taken seriously, and this kind of action will be brought onto that station. The offense is clearly selling product to the unsuspecting public under the pretext of Lilipo. Now, since it's unlicensed, if you buy any product from such outlets, there's no is clearly selling product to the unsuspecting public under the pretext of Lilipo. It's unlicensed. If you buy any product from such outlets, there's no any remedial action whatsoever. The authority cannot come any product from such outlets. There's no any remedial action whatsoever. The authority cannot come. He added that Lily Gold will also be flagged on the enterprise. Ready to unwrap a surprise from Consumer Cellular? Experience the gift of freedom with no contract, no hidden fees, and always free activation. Here comes the holiday surprise. From now till December 31st, new customers can enjoy their second month for free. To get this holiday offer, visit ConsumerCellular.com or call 1-888-FREEDOM and use promo code PODCAST. Act before December 31st to get your second month on us. Use promo code PODCAST. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
Hi, good afternoon. Welcome to the marketplace. Coming up, rating agency Fitch warns huge losses imposed on bondholders under the domestic debt exchange program has significantly weakened the banking sector's capitalization. Meantime, Bank of Ghana institutes measures to ensure soundness of financial system after record 60 billion city loss last year. We need to recognize that we are putting in place uh, steps and actions to ensure that we return back to, to, to positive levels. Also coming up, a government inaugurates committee to ensure proper appropriation and preservation of the national purse. This would be the first of its kind. Our focus is to make sure that all relevant stakeholders are brought on board. So this would be the first of its kind. Our focus is to make sure that all relevant stakeholders are brought on board so that it's a whole of government approach towards uh, uh, ensuring that um, what's uh, ensuring that um, to consideration. My name is Daryl Kwa. Thanks for being with us. Details coming up. Well, first up, rating agency Fitch has warned that the huge losses imposed on bondholders under the domestic debt exchange program has significantly weakened the banking sector's capitalization. According to the UK-based firm, the restructuring of outstanding sovereign debt and impending loan quality problems will add to capital pressures. There's more in this report. Fitch considers solvency issues to be concentrated at the domestic banks. It said regional and foreign banks are better because of their strong buffers. The UK-based firm has earlier said that Ghanaian banks' capital was still weakening significantly as a result of Ghana's sovereign domestic debt restructuring. It further said, estimated that the country's current account deficit will narrow to 0.8% in relation to the size of the economy in 2023 from 2.1% in 2022. This is supported by suspension of external debt service and improved terms of trade. In 2024 and 2025, the capital account deficit, it said, should remain moderate. A reduced current account deficit together with international financial institutions, disbursement and external debt restructuring should enable accumulation of reserves over 2023 and 2025, reaching 2.8 months of current external payments by 2025. Now, the Bank of Ghana has assured that the ability to perform its regulatory function has not been affected despite its challenging financial position. The regulator posted almost 61 billion CD loss last year, resulting in a negative equity for the bank. Meanwhile, the central bank says structured, it has instituted structures which will ensure the soundness of the financial system is protected despite the current challenge. Dr. Philip Abedou Otu is head of research at the Bank of Ghana. We also need to recognize that we are putting in place uh, steps and actions to ensure that we return back to, to, to positive levels. Mm. So uh, some of the measures that we are putting in place is that uh, we'll be retaining profits to build capital back up. Uh, we'll then be optimizing the Bank of Ghana's investment portfolio and operating cost mess to bolster efficiency. Uh, and then again, I think you said this at the beginning of your program, we, we will be making an assessment uh, for the potential need for recapitalization support from the government in the medium term. Mm. Many star banks are recording same, same negative losses. So yes, uh, but these central banks are also operating and they are also delivering on their mandate. So we can. Uh, the problem is that it should not be persistent because the more persistent it gets, the more negative it gets on our balance sheet over a longer period of time. 
then credibility issues creep in. So there's a plan, there's an agenda to restore capital, but we need to bear in mind that the domestic debt exchange was the main factor that created the problem. Well, joining me on Zoom is Senior Finance Lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Benjamin Amwa, uh, to discuss the record losses posted by the Bank of Ghana. Uh, good afternoon to you. So the Bank of Ghana says the losses were as a result of the domestic debt exchange program and loan impairments. Are these justified? If you consider the current situation that we find ourselves in, talk about last year and this year and what has happened on the financial services sector, especially in relation to government-issued securities that all the financial institutions participated in, then one can clearly justify that the low-frequency, high-impact event of the domestic debt exchange program has hugely contributed to the reported losses from Bank of Ghana. So based on that, and if you look at the portfolio of assets that Bank of Ghana was having, and the exposure that Bank of Ghana exposed itself to by participating in the treasury bond issued by Ministry of Finance, then clearly one can say that for last year, 2022, the DDEP has largely contributed to Bank of Ghana's poor performance. If you compare it to the year before, this was not Bank of Ghana's performance. So clearly one can conclude that the DDEP has indeed negatively impacted on Bank of Ghana. Could the losses have been avoided? That's a difficult one to, to say because, you see, the central bank participated in the bond issued by the Ministry of Finance, which was an indirect way of financing government activities there was no problem until the exchange. And you see, this strategy used by central banks all over the world is to help the central bank to indirectly finance government activities, which leads to what you call a circular flow of funds. So the central bank then participates in this instrument, indirectly purchases them, releases funds to the treasury, and then during the period that the central bank holds the instrument, what actually happens is that the Treasury, that is Ministry of Finance, then pays a central bank coupon. When the Treasury pays a central bank coupon, the question then is who owns or who is the largest shareholder or the single shareholder of the central bank? It still goes back to the state, which is the government. So realize that within that space, and what is happening is that there's a circular flow of funds where the funds then move from the central bank through the purchase of instrument issued by the Treasury to Ministry of Finance. Ministry of Finance, with time, settles its indebtedness. That is, if only to settle it, the funds get central bank, and then the central bank, again, purchases the bonds. So there's a circular flow of funds within that space. And then the challenge is that it is true and true that in many instances, the treasuries around the world do not pay a bank because the government Uh, Dr. Benjamin Amwa there uh, looks like he's frozen, but reacting to uh, the 60 billion CD loss uh, posted by uh, the central bank in 2022. Uh, as you're told, this is historic. It has never happened in the history of the central bank. We're just getting his thoughts on as to whether this could have been avoided. Hopefully, we get him back to continue the conversation. Meantime, government has inaugurated a medium-term revenue strategy steering committee to ensure proper appropriation and preservation of the national purse. The setup of the committee follows a media budget review in a bid to deliver a revenue strategy that focuses on incentives towards sectors crucial for sustainable and inclusive growth. There's more in this report. During the mid-year budget reading, Finance Minister Ken Oforiata mentioned that the mutual prosperity dialogues would seek to facilitate the ease of doing business, to crowd in private, domestic and foreign investments, to reach an FDI target of $3 billion over the medium term, 
government implemented a medium-term revenue strategy. The Ministry of Finance has inaugurated a steering committee to oversee the strategy. George Winfall is Director of Revenue Policy Division at the Ministry of Finance. This would be the first of its kind. Our focus is to make sure that all relevant stakeholders are brought on board so that it's a whole of government approach towards uh, uh, ensuring that um, the interests of all stakeholders uh, are taken into consideration and uh, before the implementation. I mean, we are supposed to complete the development of this uh, document um, by end of September. Already we have begun engaging some stakeholders. We have sent uh, letters to some stakeholders for their inputs and so on, and we continue engaging. And so the only thing I will say is that it's a great opportunity for the general public uh, to continue engaging with us, seize the opportunity to make their inputs so that at the end of the development of the document, all their interests would have been taken, brought on board. Director General of the National Development Planning Commission, Kojo Esim Abrampa, is optimistic the medium-term revenue strategy steering committee will increase revenue mobilization and ease the pressure of the Ministry of Finance. This is very, very important. Important in the sense that we always quote figures that we are far behind our African peers in terms of revenue mobilization. And then when you come to the middle-income peers, we are even far below. 13% of our GDP, that's what we're able to collect. Compared to African peers, who are almost all of them are above 17%, heading towards 20%. And we are supposed, as a middle income country, to be with our peers, which are above 25%. But we are now wallowing at 13%. I think it's quite disheartening. And, and it brings a lot of pressure on decision-making around resources that we have. Because the needs that we are demanding is, is at a middle-income level, whilst we are mobilizing revenue even far below least developing countries. And this is a challenge. It puts a lot of pressure on the Minister of Finance in being able to prioritize and meet the needs of the country, particularly in providing public uh, services. The medium-term revenue strategy steering committee was urged to work closely with the Ghana Investment Promotion Center and the various members of the growth strategy team to ensure reaching the FDI targets over the medium term. Well, back to a story about the record loss uh, posted by the central bank in 2022. Uh, join us on Zoom. Uh, hopefully this time the connection will be better. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Amwa, Senior Finance Lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. So we're talking about the losses and if they could have been avoided. I just want you to wrap up on uh, your submission to that question. Can you hear me, Dr. Amwa? I don't think he can hear me. Uh, you're watching the market, please. We'll move on. I'll quickly fix that. Hopefully, we'll have him back. To other stories now, the Project Management Institute of Ghana and the Ghana Institute of Management and Public Administration have signed an MOU to enhance the practice of project management among young graduates. According to the president of the Project Management Institute, Frank Oswa Samoa, the collaboration will help address the skills gap needed in industries. The Memorandum of Understanding signed by the Project Management Institute and the Ghana Institute of Management and Public Administration is aimed at elevating the standards of project management practice in Ghana. It will also help to instill practical industrial values in students. In an interview with Joy Business, President of the Institute, Frank Owusu Asamwa, said his outfit is committed to bridging the skills gap in the society. Project Management Institute is also a research-based organization where we don't just come out with reviews of our, our documents or our material, but we conduct a lot of research. Recently, what we call the talent gap uh, came out that within the next few years, that is by 2030, Africa alone is going to need 25 million project managers. And this is research-based. So everything we do 
is towards addressing that kind of gap that exists. Rector of the Ghana Institute of Management and Public Administration, Kweku Bonso, said the collaboration will help the school to produce students equipped with skills needed by industry. The direct benefit is the quality of students that we produce. And the- Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy the quality of students that we produce not just for us because the students when they leave are not really working for us but are working for the country so that we'll have better qualified students our students are going to be adequately prepared to go into industry uh, almost immediately after they are done the Project Management Institute pledged their continuous support to the school. All right, uh, Dr. Benjamin Amar joins us on Zoom. Uh, fingers crossed, hopefully this time we have a good connection. Uh, still talking about the record losses by the Bank of Ghana and the question asked to whether these losses could have been avoided. You were making a point. I just wanted you to conclude on that, Dr. Amar. Okay, yeah. The point was that I don't know it is part of the strategy to finance government activities. And so when the Ministry of Finance issues the bonds or the instruments, the central bank is also invited to participate. That is why over time the central bank heavily invested in these instruments. And it's a strategy, again, to allow funds to go within the secular economy. What do I mean by that? The funds that are paid to the Ministry of Finance is used to undertake projects. And the expectation is that these funds will be paid. So as and when they are paid, the funds then come to the central bank again. The central bank then purchases the instrument from the treasury. So it moves round, round on the circle. But then the reality is that in many instances, mm. the funds are not paid by government. But how will you see the central government paying its indebtedness to the central bank. So in the end, realize that the central bank will have indirectly been used to finance government activities, which should not be the case. We should not forget that the central bank is also not a profit-making entity. Mm. The central bank was set up to provide some specific activities or functions as per Act 612, All right. All right. We have to. We have Six seven three. It specifies where the center. Would have to let uh, Doctor Amar go. Not having a good connection to him uh, this afternoon. You're watching the marketplace. Let's talk tech now. Uh, many users logging onto Twitter found a black X in the corner of their browser lab in place of a. Little blue bird they were used to seeing. Elon Musk, uh, the tech entrepreneur and CTO of the social media platform, surprised nearly everyone by announcing plans to rebrand Twitter, which he purchased for a highly leveraged $44 billion in October 2022. The company is now called X, and critics have said Elon Musk risks more damage to his business following the rebrand. Uh, joining me to talk about this is Henry Kobler, who is lead for Eyes of Africa. Uh, good to have you on the marketplace. We missed you last week. Great to have you back. The last time we spoke, Twitter was Twitter, but now Twitter is X. And there have been mixed reactions to this move by Elon Musk. What do you think he's trying to do? Thank you very much. Um, so I think that generally when you um, get hold of a company, generally you would want to make some um, significant changes. And before you even basically would buy a company, you would basically have a lot of ideas where you want to incorporate into the company. 
And so looking at what Elon, I mean, generally has been up to, um, he's that aggressive, impulsive leader that basically brings in a lot of innovations on the ground. And so um, him purchasing Twitter, I don't think that he just purchased it because he thought that it was just a general platform that he wanted to just buy and just run it the way it used to run. And so I think generally most of our conversations we've had about Twitter has always been about aggressive changes which he is deployed into the company. And so for him to relatively just rename the company need to be called X. Uh, in the tech world, I don't think it's a new thing. Um, I mean, Facebook has actually uh, rebranded to meet. Yeah. I mean, the rebranding just yeah. goes on. But I think that uh, generally you would realize that uh, what Elon is sort of looking forward to is to bring in some level of innovation. He's looking at building a platform, not just for tweets, he's looking at impulsive uh, actions in terms of making it a payment platform, in terms of putting in a lot of audio content, a lot of video visualization content, and also putting in Rocket, we know buying a home is exciting and a bit overwhelming. Ready to buy a home but stressed about writing those big checks? Rocket can help you save. When you buy with Rocket Homes and finance with Rocket Mortgage, you can get up to $10,000 cash toward closing from Rocket Mortgage. It's a pretty big deal and one you can get only with Rocket. Visit onlywithrocket.com to get started today. For purchase transactions only, must log rate between 331 and 831. Call 8337-ROCKET for conditions and restrictions. Equal housing letter licensed in all 50 states. NMLS Consumer Access Network, number 3030. Some level of uh, um, blockchain contents as well. Mm. And so generally, he has a vision where he's sort of putting it to. So the whole concept of Twitter, it's it's coming in as per the original concept, relatively changes now. And so him branding basically to X uh, gives a whole definition to it. Uh, it will take time generally when it comes down to uh, rebranding purposes. I mean, if you look at billboards and, and, and the logos of, of the bed being used all around, it will take a bit of time. But I think that he's looking at a vision, a more aggressive vision. And I think that it's, it's in place for him. Well, someone said this rebrand could be uh, could potentially be a disaster. Is he killing a strong brand, the strong brand that Twitter has built over the years? What are the risks? Yes, so um, that could be a lot of people's uh, concepts in terms of what he he seeks to achieve. But I mean, right from uh, a very developer point and a user point, I think that he's trying to achieve something. Technology grows. We can't always use the same Twitter as it used to be. So if there's a new feature that is released onto Twitter and it makes it more aggressive, makes it more fun, I think that you would basically have some level of uh, influence on non-users uh, coming in. And then I think that the users that basically on would also be calling in for some aggressive changes when it comes down to the user job of, of technology. And so generally for me, I think that it would not really um, bring it down. They're already having their user base. Um, the interface has not just changed. It's just the name now. Uh, but generally, I think that he'll be releasing in features um, on the go, and these features are going to be significant to the growth of the tech world. I think that, uh, for my point, it wouldn't really kill it. He has his user base. He's, he sort of understands what he bought. He sort of understands why he wouldn't have bought Facebook, why he would have bought Twitter. So managing to deal with Twitter in itself, I think that uh, comes in with a lot of play. He sort of has a clearer vision. He has a he has a CEO basically now in, in place to sort of push this vision. And I think that it comes in. The only thing is that he's very impulsive. He doesn't leave chance for you to think for the next change. He just drops the change, and he's just on the move. And so very soon, I think that you have some sort of users that are going to like that trend and would always want to go with his trend, where they're expecting a very impulsive. Uh, actions on, on these platforms where she's building. Yeah, and, and companies rebrand all the time. And so why is this a big deal? Because it is Twitter. Uh, why, why is he getting bad press? It makes you wonder. So, so again, um, if you're looking at um, Elon generally, um, his methods are very unconventional. And so generally a lot of people are very not so comfortable with change. And so you would have the, the bad press or the backlashes coming in, which is very fair enough. But you would also have quite a number of tech enthusiast people that love that change. Now, again, realize this, that Twitter had specialized users. It's, it's, it's not just for everybody. I mean, if, if you're looking on phones of, of um, people, you realize that the age range where people are so aggressive using Twitter is sort of more of like elitish, um, people that are not so much into pushing a lot of uh, talk content, but want to just make uh, mm -hmm. relevant content in there. So 
this kind of users, um, again, are also not too used to change because they're so comfortable within within the space, okay? And so that's why you basically now have him being having some level of backlash. But I think that these kind of users also adapt to uh, the easiness and then the innovations that actually uh, comes on, on play. And so they might not necessarily be too comfortable with the aggressive changes, but okay. very soon they're going to be okay with the kinds of uh, deployments of features, which is going to make their life easier or sort of make it quite better. I mean, if you look at the streaming service on on Twitter, um, a lot of people have been adaptive to it, right? But you would have realized that that feature is coming from Clubhouse, where that mm -hmm. audio feature was supposed to now have a blow up when, when it was during the COVID. But now bringing it in, you would realize that the users of Twitter now are accustomed to audio. So the whole concept of Twitter was not supposed to deal with audio. But now bringing in audio, you realize that quite a lot of it. I mean, Joy, you've been on like a lot of... Uh, uh, Twitter streaming services uh, uh, content relatedly. Uh, uh, and so you realize that people sort of are accustomed to the change. I would love the features it sort of brings on the table. So quick one, what are the lessons here? Um, lessons, I mean, generally, just understand your audience and know how you sort of play around um, them. Yeah, being aggressive might not always go with the flow, even if you think that that's the right thing to do. Um, second is that you sort of also have to understand what exactly you're looking at building and incorporate it in the minds of your users even before they start to think. Uh, users are usually very detective. They sort of like to push you in a particular way. But again, when you're a leader, you sort of need to know how you want to just direct, uh, especially when you're putting so much uh, money into, into companies. And then the third one I would say is that um, users always would detect, but as a leader, just know what exactly you put on the table. Make sure that it's relevant, make sure that it's innovative, make sure that it has a, it has a future, and that's it. Thank you so much. Welcome back, uh, Henry Kobler, the lead ICE of Africa. Appreciate your insights as always. Now, in a bit to foster energy consciousness and empower the youth with valuable knowledge on sustainable energy usage, the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PRC, is undertaking a tariff education program in public universities across the country. The initiative aims to educate students on the complexities of energy tariffs, pricing structures, and the importance of responsible energy consumption. Uh, Executive Secretary of the PRC, Dr. Ishmael Aka, says the move by the Commission is to demystify the tariff regime in the country. There's more in this report. Energy tariffs are a critical components of any nation's energy sector as they directly influence consumer behavior and energy consumption patterns. In Ghana, like many other countries, tariffs play a significant role in determining electricity and water prices for domestic, commercial and industrial consumers. The PURC's tariff education program seeks to demystify the complexities surrounding tariff structures and empower students to make informed decisions regarding their energy usage. Dr. Ishmael Aka is the Executive Secretary of the PURC. We have three main reasons. The first one is to explain uh, what we consider in determining the tariff. The second one is to encourage consumers uh, at least to use electricity efficiently. And the third one is to provide a platform for students to also ask questions, engage us, and provide recommendations and suggestions to us. So we came to uh, Cape Coast Technical University today. One of the key things we mentioned was that we have two tariff windows at PURC. We have the major tariff and the quarterly adjustment. So, for instance, we take their proposals during the major tariff and we compare the figures in there with their own historical analysis. So we do what we call trend analysis. So last year they bought a transformer, let's say, at $2 million. If this year they are making a proposal and they are telling us that the transformer will cost $5 million, we question them, we compare and do other things. We also compare the prices with regional, similar utilities in the region across Africa so that at least we can have a, a very good price, a price consumers will not burden consumers. And finally, we also go to the market to do a market survey so that we can compare the prices. Dr. Aka believes when students are empowered, Ghana's energy consumption space will be the better for it. So every quarter, what we do is that we compare what we forecasted for three years against what is happening in that quarter. So for instance, when we're doing the major tariff review, we said the exchange rate was five. 
CDs to one dollar. But maybe after a quarter, it has moved to eight CDs to a dollar. What we do is that we compare what we used and take the difference and either add or subtract from the tariff. And that's the marketplace. Thanks for watching, everyone. There is more news on our website, myjoyonline.com forward slash business. Uh, Imperial General Assurance's fastest growing insurance company of the year. Uh, get some more uh, on this story on our website, myjoyonline.com forward slash business. Also, UBA Ghana engages women in financial literacy. Thanks for watching. We'll be back same time tomorrow. Every day my employees get scam emails. I wanted to protect my business and clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got four simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. Learn more at cisa.gov forward slash secure our world. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Every day my company gets scam phishing emails trying to get money. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.